Hello, and welcome to another episode from The Dungeon Boys. You are listening to our first campaign, Stardust Echoes. Stardust Echoes is a science fiction, high fantasy, Dungeons and Dragons homebrew game that is rated M for Mature. Content warnings can always be found in the episode description. Wherever and whenever you are listening to our podcast, we want to say thank you for supporting our show. It's the holiday season of 2022 while this is being recorded, and we can't say enough how much of a gift this community is and how grateful we are for all the amazing folks in it. That includes you. You will notice that the style of this episode is a tad bit different than what we have created before. And that is just because our team took some time off for self-care, rest, and our mental health. All the things that we truly value. And we hope that wherever you are and whatever it is that's going on in your life, you take some time for yourself this week too. But alas, as I was saying, the presentation of this episode is very lore-heavy and gives more of a tour of the Adile system and the amazing planets and cultures that dwell there. Episode 18 will be back to our normal live play setup style. Also, in case you weren't aware, my name's Justine, and I am the dungeon master for this first campaign. The boys in this episode consist of Ellie, who plays Pants, the artificer kobold, Grant, who plays Katal Torash, the golden dragonborn barbarian, Lindsay, who plays Six, the babe cat tabaxi rogue, Arland, who plays Valen, the winged tiefling warlock, and Dylan, who plays Temple, the warforged monk on his way of mercy. And with that, the Dungeon Boys proudly present episode 17 of Stardust Echoes. Today's episode takes place on the Ripple, while the crew ventured out onto Hunt's Crescent to obtain more Odin Crystals and safe passage to Moss, Taroin and Jigalda were left behind. Taroin casually is counting wires within the ship and making mental notes of where each one goes and just an attempt to try to be helpful. But you can tell that she often gets really confused and then has to like start over because she doesn't really get ship mechanics. She hasn't been on a ship in a very long time, but she's just trying to do something to be helpful and to keep her mind busy. Jigalda, who knows every single centimeter of her ship, quickly takes pity on Tarawin and tries to engage in conversation. Tarawin, I am unaware of what planet you originally hail from. I know we found you upon Terra 19, but where is it that you were born? Oh, oh, sorry, I... I seem to have bumped my head. I forgot you were there, Jigalda. Well, I'm actually not sure. My father always said I was born in Onvinia, but I don't know if I really trust that anymore. Seen as my entire life just was one lie after another. <sighs> hmm. I can understand why that would be troubling. If it makes you 
take any comfort. I do not know where some of my wires and data chips were originally manufactured. Um, I think that gives me comfort. Perhaps we could figure out your origin, if you would like, together. Oh, yeah, that, that would be lovely, Jigalda, if, if you're not too busy. I believe that the crew created personal statements on their home planets when we first had started on our journey to Terran 19. Pants had found them while messing with the systems, and also created one to feel included. Do you think learning about the planets and listening to the manifests would help? Um, I'm not really sure. Anything I know of the other planets are through the gossip and eyes of, of all the space pirates. Hearing it from this crew would probably put some pieces together. I agree. And since my moral compass has essentially been turned off, I have no problem showing you these personal files. Oh, um, maybe we shouldn't plane now. Hey, Pants here. Have you ever been to Sorix N56? No? What the heck? You're seriously missing out, my new friend. Imagine, if you will, tons and tons and tons of cool machines. But like a, like as a planet. Wait, hold on. I'm not explaining this right. Let me get the cards I have. Sorix <clears throat> N56, a mechanical planet that was once rich in minerals, was terraformed and settled by the dwarves. The dwarves mined this planet to its core over the span of 17 millennium. Blah, blah, blah. You get the point. It's literally a mechanical planet. A big, warm, cozy hunk of metal that works perfectly. The entire planet is an engineer and tinkerer's paradise. Cities made of every kind of metal you can think of. Magic that draws from the core lights up everything, usually in shades of blue, just like me. The constant hum of gears turning and metal shining can put any cobalt to sleep better than an entire pint of whiskey. Which is a shit ton if I do say so myself. <laughs> I know, I know, you probably want to hop in your starship and check it out right now. And you should! You should ask for my friend Slagus. He's one of the head mineral experts on the planet. Just make sure you mind your pockets when you're around him. Because he's a pickpocket. Tourism is actually a big thing on the planet. I mean, who doesn't want to see an entirely perfectly mined planet? It's like a gift from the gods or something. And the hypoponic gardens that feed the four billion people who live there? Amazing. They smell like tangerines and cotton candy. I used to get lost in one by our house and mom would have to come and find me. I couldn't help it. I love food. Some of my favorite foods are candy and cookies and sandwiches and cheese and... and... Wait, sorry, getting off topic. This is why I stick to the cards. Sorix N56 really is the best planet, though. I haven't been to the rest, but we have some of the greatest colleges and scholars here. So that's gotta mean something, right? Anyway, I gotta go. But I hope you visit, and make sure to tell them Pants sent ya. Wow. An entirely mined planet? Indeed. It is truly a mechanical tinker's paradise. Well, I mean, it can't be that big, can it, if everything's completely mined? 
The size of Sorx N56 is a 4 out of 10 scale. Population size, 4 billion. Population type, 60% dwarf, 40% other. Known for tourism, scholars, tinkers, mechanics. Okay, uh, I don't... Okay. I don't think that that's, um, necessarily going to help, but I really ap appreciate the information. It sounds like there are a lot of colleges there. Indeed. Torash actually went to college on Sorix N56. He did? Yes. Some of the greatest scholars in the galaxy dwell upon this planet. Oh. Well... I don't think that my family comes from very smart lines. <laughs> so, maybe that's not where I'm from. What's the next one? The next planet, technically, in my database, is Tarrant 19, the largest planet of our system. Population, unknown. Population size, unknown. Population type, unknown. Known for. Unknown. Di I don't think that I'm going to need any information on Tarrant 19. Apologies. We could indeed look at Notuv, the planet in which Torash is from. Yeah, that would be lovely. Notuv is nicknamed the planet at war with itself. The reason due to the two biomes. Jakalda? Can I ask something very weird? Yes. Is there any way you could talk in, like, a not-as-monotone voice? It's... I'm having a hard time not tuning you out. Of course. The reason is due to the two biomes being polar opposites. The southern part of the planet is a raging ocean. The northern is a constant eruption. Plane of magma, lava, and volcanic ranges. Okay, just kidding. You can talk normal. You're, you're really, you're really sweet and accommodating. No problem. Here, I will just play Torash's manifest. No tooth. The planet nicknamed to be at war with itself. Truer words were never said about my home planet. It is a planet of rage, but also of beauty. I was raised on this strip of land near the planet's equator. Our settlement homes looked similar to the terraform units from thousands of years ago when dragonborns and lizard folk first settled on this planet. Very traditional. You know, I guess that's another thing they could say about Notuv. Never changes. To the north side of the biome are raging volcanoes, magma fields, lava tubes, and fire. Constantly going and constantly burning, melting away and destroying anything in its path. And to the southern side of the planet, oceans, as far as the eye can see. And I'm not talking about those calm ponds you see on other planets in the system. These are oceans. These oceans are just the definition of true beauty. 20 to 30 foot high waves constantly crashing and battling to take the planet. 
I used to take my speedster and ride to see if I could ride away before it crashed violently to land. Mist spraying, blood pumping. <laughs> it, it was just heaven. But between the raging fire and water, there's a strip of land that runs around the planet, made of rich minerals, clay, and obsidian. Few of us who do inhabit the planet learned how to work the planet just the right way to make it our home. It's not easy life here, but life is never easy for a culture of warriors. The smallest planet by far, but the biggest fight to pick. That was one of the reasons the great race of Vaults and Nautical came to be. It was a way to channel the inner rage of my people and the planet in a cohesive way. Of course, thousands of years that have made the race a televised spectacle, but we still know the rage of the planet still lives in our hearts. So wait, does that mean that Pants is from that planet too? Since it's only dragonborn and lizard folk? Pants is considered kobold, which is neither a common misconception. Oh gosh, I'm, I'm a horrible friend. No, to err is human, and taking ownership is brave. Besides, the planet of Notuv population type is 50% dragonborn and lizardfolk. The rest is an even mix of all races in the entire population of 1.2 million. Well, except for all the people that come to the planet for the race, right? The Valsum Nautical? The Valsum Nautical is broadcasted every 15 years. The race is through harsh conditions and is the most anticipated entertainment in the entire dial system. Oh, so people just watch the race. What makes the race so hard? Well, that's a dumb question. Torash already told me on the way here how violent his planet is. Plus, it is the second heaviest gravity of any planet in the system. What's the first? Lagratus. Lagratus is a large planet known for its vast military presence. It is home to most of the military ships and weapons. It was once a giant gas giant, but has been terraformed into a somewhat habitable environment. Due to its harsh conditions, it is often used for combat and military scenario and training. Planet size, 8 out of 10. Planet population size, 7 billion. Known for military and conflict with V7. V7. That's where Temple's from, I think? Correct. Well, I guess Temple was probably created on Lagratus and then sent to V7? I'm trying to remember everything Ephraim had said. V7 was once considered a moon of Lagratus, but it was quickly discovered by scientists that it was its own planet that was simply caught in Lagratus's orbit. There was a 300-year war in which V7 won its independence. Oh, wow. I, I really hope I'm not from Lagratus. Indeed, pulling up Temple's manifest... V7 has varied climates, but is mostly a lush and resource-rich world. I first stepped foot on V7 during a terrible battle of the 300 Years' War. 
Dragon Riders and Portal Clerics clashed with Warforged units sent from Lagratis. I do not remember much of that battle, except for the great field where I was pinned for many years. I became very familiar with the planet's distinct seasons, its wildlife, and the motions of Lagratis across V7's sky. My savior, Master Gaman, brought me from the ruins of that field of battle to the great monastery of the Way of Mercy. While I've since been all over V7, serving its settlements and villages, and indeed serving our greater binary solar system, the Monastery of Mercy is the one place in all of existence that I would recommend you visit. Seeing the daily work of compassionate and spacious beings who, like me, yearn to be better always, fills me with peace and purpose. But beyond the monastery, the people of V7 are determined and passionate. They look out for each other and would die to serve the greatest good. Even if that great good is as humble as protecting a loved one or feeding their neighbor. I look forward to our next opportunity to travel to my home and welcome my new friends in. Who knows, maybe one of them will become a way of mercy monk like me. It's funny how someone who seemingly was designed for battle can be so kind and compassionate, like Temple. Yes, Temple is a star that shines among the darkness. Or at least that was Commander Gallowood's tagline for him. What was the planet that we all came from? I'm assuming that we didn't just spring up on all the different ones. You would be correct. Our home planet that we all started from is Stratus. No, not the planet that Phantom's from. That, that can't be right. It is. It is also the planet in which Six is from. That's really hard for me to believe. Here, I shall play our tabaxi friends manifest. I come from the planet Stratus. From a ship, this planet looks like a paradise, covered in blue, teal, and greens. The planet of Archipelagos. Famous for its great merchants and trading. If only people saw the black heart that comes with this planet, though. Hasn't anyone ever wondered why a planet so rich in goods, starships, and space caravans happens to be the main hub of the entire black market in the Adial system? I think people forget that we started here. Stratus is where we all came from before we took to space. But what happens when greed and people of wealth and magic leave a planet to settle new ones? Who gets left behind? The poor and the criminals. Well, the criminals decided to make this planet their own, hence the dark shadows this planet always lies in. But who can blame them? They were left thousands of years ago to fend for themselves, and that's exactly what they did. Now the underground fighting rings, drug smugglers, and slave traders make more than the highest paid nobles on even Moss. Take Nicaea, for example. The Yonti has half the pirates in the system in her pocket. She's one of the biggest drug lords there is. She's tried to get me in her pocket for years now. But I make sure I only kill the scum who deserve it. Nicaea just makes sure to take out anyone who's in her way. It's one of the reasons I haven't been back to my island, my home world, for a few years now. The big underground bosses keep trying to get a grip on me now that my father's in prison. 
Now don't get me wrong, not everyone who comes from Stratus is some low-life scum. There are normal folks there too, just trying to survive. Merchant traders who've done a good job keeping their wares clean and their head above the water. Look at me for example, quickest, strong, cleanest bounty hunter this side of the star system, and I know I'm talking a lot of shit, but Stratus will always have a place in my heart. If I still have a heart. That's a good perspective. Good folk can live in bad places. I guess I'm a good example of that. Chigalda? Are, are you still with me? My apologies. I am monitoring the patrol bots in the area. They have been getting a new signal that I'm trying to decode. Which planet were we on? Oh, well, um, Six had mentioned rich nobles on Moss. Uh, Grayson's from there, right? Yes. One moment. It seems I cannot access Grayson's manifest. There seems to be some kind of signal blocking any of Grayson's files. Oh. Well, isn't Valen from there too? Incorrect. Valen is from the planet of Invinia. While I am not supposed to have favorites, I tend to have a favorite of Invinia. It is known for its ecological tourism, and it is a main hub of potion production in the Adile system. Many scientists and doctors work upon its six moons. Oh. I really like potion making and herbalism. Yes. Invinia is a planet that thrives and pulses with magic. Here. I shall play Valens, manifest, and then answer any questions you have. <laughs> what can I tell you about Invinia? Well, to be completely honest, there isn't that much that I remember. I left my home planet shortly after my mother passed. And the last time I was actually back was shortly after Lilith gave me my stone and sent me off to explore. The only reason I made the trip back was because of something that my master once told me. He said, uh, The only way to move forward is to know where you came from. I'll never forget stepping back onto Invinia after 10 years of being away. The moment my feet touched the ground and I took that first breath of fresh air, it all came back to me. The smell of the trees, the feel of the sun on my face. I can't believe I forgot how beautiful this place really was. The house I grew up on was very secluded. It was just me and my mother. We lived a simple life. The house was up against the side of a mountain, surrounded by towering trees and overgrown brush. There was a small trail that my mother used to take uh, from our home to the nearest town. I was never allowed to go there though. My mother said that it was for my safety because, well, the people just wouldn't understand me because I was so different. And then just off that same trail, there was a fork that led to this beautiful waterfall. It was where my mother would ask me to go fetch some fresh water. And sometimes on hot days, it's a place where she and I would actually go swimming. I'll never forget this waterfall because it's where I learned how to fly. I remember that day very vividly. I remember I spent the entire day trying to build up the courage to jump off the top. I was so scared shaking up there, standing at the top, thinking of all the worst scenarios that could possibly happen. And then I felt her hands on my shoulder. 
She whispered in my ear, told me how proud of me she was, that she believed in me, and that she'd be up there with me the whole time. As I took that first step off and extended my wings and felt the air push up against them and lift me off, it's a feeling that I'll just never forget. I remember soaring high above the tree line with her right by my side, thinking, man, this can't get any better than this, that there's no stopping us. It was just her and I. She also told me stories about the other side of the planet that was a bit more developed. Uh, it's where she told me the newcomers would come to live and and actually how that uh, development actually almost destroyed this planet. I never really had a chance to explore the more populated side of this planet because it wasn't long after my first flight that she went missing and I was taken off world to be raised and trained into the person that I am today. It sounds like the place that Valen grew up in was beautiful and really in nature. But yet, he also talked about development. Is it a, a recently founded planet? That is a great guess. Invenia was actually founded third in our solar system. Half the planet is a developed, is completely developed city next to city. When the colonizers first landed, they began immediately building and developing. Once one city had formed, they moved to the next area. They felt very confident after how Sorix N56 had stabilized from consistent development. They had a similar plan with Invenia. However, Invenia has a strong presence of nature and magic. And as development in continued, the magic deeply ingrained in this planet began to die. After much deliberation, a team of nineteen druids emerged and began to weave magic and spells to make the untouched half of the planet thrive and stay in its natural, healthy state. Even now, it remains the planet of two faces. <laughs> because at night, you see half the planet with shining city lights from the skies and the other is plunged into wild darkness. Legend has it that the first druids came from this planet. Oh, so then what about Tenebris? Tenebris, known for its light gravity, strong wind, and holly trees. The gravity is extremely light, and it feels as though one controls the wind. This planet is the hub of entertainment and recreation. Oh, that's the planet that has rings. Yes, it is the only planet in our system with rings. Oh, Jigalda, I think that that dwarven man from next door is peering in the window. Alert, alert. Oh no, it's, it's okay, Jigalda, I can talk to him. Must protect, must protect. It, it's okay, Jigalda, I, I'm sure everything's fine. Little did they know, everything was super not fine. Thank you so much for listening to this short lore drop episode from Stardust Echoes. We hope you enjoyed learning about the Adial system and the 10 planets and two stars that dwell there. There is Moss, where Grayson's from, the planet of sky cities and dragon riders, Notuv, the planet of harsh volcanoes 
and raging oceans that the vaults of Nautical takes place on, that is the home to Torash, Sorix N56, Amicanic Stream, and home to our favorite little pants, Invinia, the planet of two faces, home to our tiefling warlock, Valen, Lagradis, the military presence of the system, and V7, its counterpart, where Dear Temple is from. We all know about Tarrant 19, so we don't even need to go there. One planet that was not mentioned was Gozi IO, a planet completely covered in water and ice. Eons ago, the planet was completely full of thriving islands, but as the water continued to rise for unknown reasons, instead of fleeing or succumbing to their fate, the inhabitants of the island started to build their cities under the tides. Currently, the entire planet is covered in icy oceans, but not miles underneath great cities dwell in the warmth of the inner core. Stratus 6 is home, the beautiful planet of the black market, and Tenebris, the planet of wind, and the Hollywood-type planet, one could say. Tune in next week to see where the boys and Stroganoff will go next, and until then, may all your space travel be safe. Toodles! Thank you.